Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. May in this place be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, covetousness, stagnancy, ignorance. All of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness, and may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arkady and your divine arms, and we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. The book of Ephesians 4, 22-24 You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful lusts, and to be made new by the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new self, created by God in true righteousness and holiness. And the name of this sermon is the right to the power to put off our former way of life so that we can clothe our bodies into a new way of life. It's not possible to put off our former way of life and it's not possible to be clothed into a new way of life if we don't receive the right to do so. And the right to that power is the when we receive the right, when we receive the power, when we receive the anointing, and when people hear the word anointing, anointing is the anointing of a teacher who has the word, the revelation, and and the one who passes on this information, and then also the anointing of a student who receives this truth, and they together fulfill the word. To fulfill this decree and commandment written in the book of Apostle Paul, and presented to us in the series of sermons of Apostle Arkady, interpreted by Apostle Arkady. And it was open to us these three destiny impacting commandments put off, be renewed, and put on. <clears throat> and so, if you ask the question, well, you did not, did you not read this place before? I did just as you did. And so these words may be uh, obvious, maybe words we've used before uh, and said, put off, be renewed, and put on, but we did not ever study it before Pastor started this as a faith teaching that reveals itself as the promise of the door of our hope, the meeting, uh, meeting with the Lord in in the air. <clears throat> and so at the door of this hope, before this meeting occurs, the Lord will give a revelation to the church 
and this is so that she put off something, re be renewed, and put on something into the new person. And so this place of scripture we have read and we have become familiar with, but the depths and importance of these commanding requirements is not something we knew before pastor revealed them and have been studying now for some time. Fulfilling these, these three requirements will determine whether our salvation happens that is given to us in the format of a seed, which we need to obtain as a possession in the format of the fruit of righteousness. Relevant to this, we stop to study the allegory contained in the 18th Psalm of David, in which getting to know and confessing the power that is contained in the heart of David, consisting of the eight names of God, allowed David to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and gave God the legitimate basis to use the power contained in the capabilities of his names in battle against the enemies of David. Psalm 18, 1-4 I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord, who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. And so let us together confirm, let us proclaim the power of these names within our spirit. Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my deliverer. Lord, you are my rock in whom I take refuge. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, you are the horn of my salvation. And Lord, you are my stronghold. May the Lord hear the confessions of our mouth. May he make us worthy of these names and may he confirm them within our heart. We have been studying the power of the first name and will continue to study the format of the lot consisted in the power of the promise contained in the name of God Most High, Rock. Here in Scripture, the identification of the word rock in Scripture pertaining to the natural qualities of God Most High is illustrated with, illustrated with the following coloring tense. Rock is resistant, strong, healthy, wise, tested, rooted, well-established, immovable, continuous, non-diminishing, constant, fearless, non-penetrating, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. This is, these are the natural qualities, the natural, this is the natural essence of our Lord and our own as well. And here is the identification of the word rock pertaining to the name of God Most High. This is again pertaining to the name of God Most High, identified in scripture, rock is stone, cliff, heaviness, weights, weight, and scales. And Pastor has offered to us uh, specifically and has explained to us specifically the definitions that we least likely would uh, somehow relate to his name Rock. And these are scales and weights. And so the Lord doesn't just want to be for us for us a judge. He is a judge to us if we don't collaborate with his name Rock. Why? Because he doesn't want to judge us. He wants to put his his quality of Rock, his statutes, his, his instructions, he wants to put them in us so we can judge ourselves in accordance to those uh, instructions, those uh, commandments and statutes. 
And so scale or scale plates of the Lord pertaining to the name of God rock is the absolute power and ability of the Most High identified as His wisdom to fairly judge or weigh all of the made by Him creation so that each one weighed upon the scale plates of righteousness can receive their punishment or their reward independence of their weight. The weights of the Most High are commandments and statutes of the Most High which God uses to judge or weigh upon the scale upon the scale plates of his justice, all the made by him creation. And so weights, these are his commandments, and the plates is the place uh, from which he uh, speaks these words. It's important not just to have the weights, but also have the scale plates that will weigh us. And stop to study the question, what price do we need to pay to possess the right to clothe our spirit into the virtue of the rock of the Lord so that God can receive the legitimate grounds he needs to keep us in his perfect peace? As it is written, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you, Isaiah 26, 3. And we studied some of the prices, and today we will study the concluding price, the seventh the price of the seventh condition for the right to possess the quality of a rock of the of God within our spirit and this is having the means and the ability to fight the battles of the Lord to lead the battles of the Lord and this this of course all that is within our parameters within our boundaries we need to lead the battles of the Lord and and take back our body our spirit our soul is then renewed and our body our body still has this law of corruption the law of sin and death in it and we as the children of God are called to utilize our spirit and our soul and our lips to take back our body let us see where these battles of the Lord happen and how do you properly lead these battles and this will then allow God to make for us an enduring house. First Samuel twenty-five twenty-eight. Here, it's this. These are the words of Abigail, the wife of Nabal at that time, to David. She speaks to David, who was hiding from Saul at that time. Abigail says to David, "Please forgive the trespass of your maid servant, for the Lord will certainly make for my lord an enduring house, because my lord's fights." My Lord fights the battles of the Lord, and evil is not found in you throughout your days. This is how the soul speaks to the spirit, Abigail to David, that the Lord will make for you an enduring house, will establish him and make him king over all Israel. He at this time was still running from Saul, and the soul will help the spirit come to power over all of our essence. But at that moment, although there are two anointed kings, King Saul was still sitting on the throne at the time, fighting the battles of the Lord by fighting against the uncircumcised nations living upon the territory of the land of the Israelites will allow us to provide God with the ability to build both our spirit and our body into an enduring house. Battles which we are called to fight so that we can build our house 
into the form of, in the form of our body, our house is our body, into an, endur- into an enduring house, is pulling down all of the strongholds within our body build that are built within our mind, and all arrogancy also resisting the knowledge of God. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-6 For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. If our motives in our service to God pursue various goals of our own personal good work, which in our mind is formed as a stronghold of of evangelism and accompanied with this evangelism rebuking of demons, various supernatural miracles and signs, then we need to know that such acts have no connection or relation to knowing God or fighting the battles of the Lord, called to destroy the stronghold of death within our body by producing the fruits of righteousness. And so today, for the most part of Christianity, we won't speak for all uh, Christianity, but many, uh, majority of Christians, where you, when you look at where their energy goes, it's evangelism, supernatural miracles, uh, uh, miracles and signs. This is where they put their finance and their energy. And of course, they will not be able to, focusing on this, to destroy the stronghold of death within their body because that's not where they're putting their energy. The means and armor required to fight the battles of the Lord so that we can build our body into an enduring house is something we can obtain in only one way, and that is knowing God upon His paths. When we get to know God upon His paths, and His paths are when we are in the church and we hear the word from the messenger of God, or we hear this word from his helpers who are in one spirit with him, not just reading the text, the same uh, one and same text, but reading this one and same text, uh, reading it in the same spirit. We've seen more than once where people may be reading the same text, uh, wherever it may be, but will have two different uh, spirits when they read it. And so everything that connects to the heart, all the words we speak, this is an offering. But if the heart is dirty, then the offering you bring is uh, has the wrong motives for personal gain or personal fame, and our, the offering is then defiled, and uh, the words are defiled. <clears throat> and so the Lord values His word, <clears throat> and He cares that the motives of the heart uh, be the same as the words being sp- spoken. Looking back at the example we have been studying in the written text about fighting the battles of the Lord, which is called to give God the ability to build our body into an enduring house, we need to also clarify the fact that these words were addressed to David by Abigail, the wise wife of Nabal. Nabal was born and lived in the city of Maon. This is a city that is within the territory of the tribe of Judah. This man was a very rich and influential person. However, the the possessions of Nabal, specifically his 3,000 sheep and 3,000 goats, were in Carmel. This is where Abigail was from, and the city Carmel was also located within the territory of the tribe of Judah. Look at 
see where Nabal the old man put his stand. He lives in Maon, but all of his possessions are in the place where Abigail lives, the soul of man that needs to be experienced the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Typically, events taken place in the past are called stories. Considering, however, the fact that the Bible considers the events of the past as events that will continue, that still continue in the present, in specific situations, these events will come alive and take place within the body of each individual person that is born from God. Everything we are reading right now needs to happen within the body of every individual holy person. In the given event, we see an illustration of the relationship between David, Nabal, and his wife, Abigail. This was a time when the anointed by God king of Israel, Saul, who sat upon the royal throne of Israel, pursued David, the other anointed by God king over the very same Israel. The Israelite land is a symbol of our body, to whom belongs the promise of adoption by the redemption of Christ. By the means of driving out and uprooting from within our body the old man with his deeds, who is supported by the organized powers of darkness. David is a symbol of the sacred sacred person within our body, possessing the mind of Christ, the teaching of Christ. The name David means beloved by God. This is how the Lord looks at our spirit born uh, that has the mind of Christ, that has the teaching, beloved by God. It is about him that God had said, I found a man after my own heart. Saul and his servants symbolize the reasonable aspect of the soul within our body, which has not yet lost, has been not yet been lost in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. The name Saul means lent for God's service. And this is typically for a short time, a short period of time. And Saul also means big or great and this big and great is what the Lord gave him for some time to use him and then get rid of him and so when the Lord called Saul Apostle Paul also was named Saul if you remember and so in the Bible we will we sometimes uh, uh, we sometimes we saw him in the beginning as Saul, and then he turned into Paul. Um, and people in certain places maybe try to pronounce the name a little bit dif- differently than the King Saul. Uh, and if you, as we know, he changed his name to Paul, and Paul means little, not one who is humbled. And so, for God to give His revelations, He can't give it to the one who is great and, and, and big that he uses for a temporary time and, has, and tosses out. He, Apostle Paul says, I am little. We conclude here that David, as a warrior in prayer, is always an anointed man of the Lord. At the same time, a man that is anointed by the Lord, as it is in Saul's situation, is not always a warrior in prayer. Nabal is a symbol of governing sin within our body in the form of the old man. The name Nabal means foolish and without God or godless. Abigail is a symbol of the reasonable and will aspects of our soul. Not all of the soul, but the reasonable and will aspects of our soul, which is renewed by the spirit of our mind by the servants of David who protect the flocks that actually belong to Abigail.
Abigail hearing about David's victories over the Philistines and about the fact that Samuel anointed him to be king over Israel made the decision to lose herself in the death of the Lord Jesus so that she can belong to him in his resurrection in the form of David. The name Abigail means the joy of the father. And so David, beloved by God, Abigail, the joy of the Father. And of course, the Lord wanted to unite them, and He wanted Abigail, who was born to the old man, one who is foolish. The joy of the Father needs to be in a legitimate relationship with the one who is beloved by God. Abigail needed to be married to David. And now let us look specifically at the text which provides conditions necessary for building our spirit into an enduring house and also our body where our spirit lives. Not just our spirit into an enduring house, but also our body. And so we need to put this promise in our body to, to, so that we may have this enduring house. 1 Samuel 25:28. I will read this place again where Abigail says, Please forgive the trespass of your maidservant, for the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house, because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord, and evil is not found in you throughout your days. The battles of the Lord, which we are called to fight both within our body and for our body, so that we can erect the throne of David within our body, are focused on providing God with the legitimate ability to build our body into an enduring house. We will keep in mind that not involving our soul or our body in the process of fighting the battles of the Lord, which we are called to collaborate with our spirit as one team, we will not be able to provide God with the legitimate grounds upon which to build our body into an enduring house. So, so that to establish the promise within our body, the resurrection of Christ within our body, our body has the need of our soul, our spirit has the need of our soul and body. And so our spirit who has this enduring quality, the body won't be able to become an enduring house for the spirit if this collaboration doesn't take place. And so the spirit can't live in what is corrupt or that the worms are eating. Uh, the spirit is inherent to God, and so if you can imagine the spirit living in a house that is that that is rotting and corrupt. According to the written text, we conclude that David and when we're talking about the enduring quality, enduring house, according to scripture, the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ so that we can erect the stronghold of life within our body in the form of the rule of righteousness. The Lord says you need to have an enduring house and you say what is an enduring house? An enduring house is the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ so that he can erect the stronghold of life within our body in the form of the rule of righteousness. This is an enduring house. Considering this, we need to remember that because God redeemed our three-dimensional essence, identified as our spirit, soul, and body, the throne of David is called to rule 
in each of the three aspects of our three-dimensional essence. The throne of David is not just established in our spirit, it needs to be established in our soul and body as well. Let's look at where they are within the three and how they're established. The throne of David in the form of the stronghold of life within our spirit is our conscience that is cleansed from dead works with the elementary teaching of Christ imprinted upon its tablets, which is the stronghold of righteousness. And so the conscience that is cleansed from dead works with the elementary teaching of Christ imprinted upon its tablets. This is the throne of David in our spirit. And so if our spirit and our conscience will not be cleansed from dead works, then the Lord will not be able to place his throne in our spirit. And what is interesting, he cleanses our heart continuously, continuously. Uh, It doesn't mean the Lord already cleansed me from dead works. He continually cleanses us. Because as Pastor said on Friday, while the wicked one, as the old man, is present before God, uh, I will discipline my tongue. And how do we know that the wicked is before us? Because of the law of sin and death that exists in us, we continue to be uh, become ill or, or be subject to different things. And there's a battle that continues to take place for our body, and this is how we know the old man, this wicked one, is before us, and we need to thrust out the stronghold of death with this wicked one. We need to thrust him out of our body with noise into hell. But until this happens, David says, I am a spiritual man, but I continue to watch after my mouth. Continue to cleanse yourself from all kinds of sins and all kinds of imperfection. And this is the first throne. This is our conscience that's in our spirit. This is a conscience that is cleansed from dead works. That has this elementary teaching of Christ imprinted upon it. And so as we may see an example of a be- of a room that's clean, that looks good, but you take, uh, the, take a cloth, you rinse it out, you wipe everything down, and you see that the cloth ha- is black. Uh, this cleaning continues, this upkeep and cleaning uh, needs to continue to take place, even though everything looks good. The throne of David in the form of the stronghold of life within our soul, not the spirit, but this time in our soul, is the reasonable aspect of our soul placed in voluntary dependence of the reasonable aspect of our spirit and so our soul independence placed independence of our spirit is that soul that has the throne of david and our soul will never be independence of our spirit until the spirit is independent of the holy spirit and to place yourself independent of the holy spirit is to acknowledge god's order within the church and incline your ear to listen to the Word of God and receive the Word of God. When you receive the Word of God as a student, that means our, my spirit is able to receive the Holy Spirit and then my spirit and my, my soul begin, soul then begins to understand what is in my spirit and when this cooperation takes place between my soul and spirit, then that means between the Holy Spirit and the, my spirit and then my soul and my spirit the throne of David in the form of the stronghold of life within our body is our pure language or pure mouth confessing the faith of God existing within our heart 
<clears throat> in the status of the elementary teaching of Christ, the truth, which is also the stronghold of righteousness. First Chronicles 18, 13, 14. He also put garrisons in Edom, and all the Edomites became David's servants, and the Lord preserved David wherever he went. So David reigned over all Israel and administered judgment and justice to all his people. According to this statement, we conclude that the purpose of the throne of David was truly called to administer judgment and justice in Israel, and for this purpose it was necessary for the Edomites, representing our soul, to become servants of our new person, that is to become servants of David. Edomites are descendants of Esau, the older brother of Jacob, the older brother, he, the, he was an enemy of Israel, or they were enemies of Israel, until David humbled them. However, in the current situation or event we are studying, David did not yet occupy the throne over all Israel, and instead was hiding from Saul, who was pursuing him in the safe places of Ben-Gadi. This is a mountainous place near the Dead Sea, symbolizing safety from the reasonable aspect of the soul in the form of Saul, in the death of the Lord Jesus. See where our spirit hides from our soul, from that area of our soul, our mind that has not yet been renewed, has not been put through the process of death. And so Ben-Gadi, the mountainous places near the Dead Sea, because Saul is afraid of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is where David hides from our Saul, who is, whom God had anointed for a certain time to use him for a short period of time until David comes, grows into a full measure of growth into Christ, into a mature man. And so our spirit knows where to hide in the death of the Lord Jesus. Saul is very much afraid of the death of the Lord. And when he hears, die for your nation, the house of your father, and for your destructive way of life or corrupt desires, the soul says, how much do we need to listen to this? Lord, maybe we can get receive some kind of comfort instead. This is our spirit hiding from our soul until Saul dies. And so our study, we begin studying from the time when Prophet Samuel had already died in Israel and all of the Israelites gathered to mourn him. Prophet Samuel was a father for both Saul and David. God used Samuel to anoint both Saul and David. And here is where the story of Abigail begins. It happens right after the death of Samuel. First Samuel 25, 1 Samuel 25.1 Then Samuel died, and the Israelites gathered together and lamented for him and buried him at his home in Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. When David buried Samuel in Ramah, he arose from the wilderness Paran within the cliffs of En-Gadi. The wilderness Paran was next to the Israelite city Maon, in which Nabal lived with his wife Abigail. The word Paran means a place of many caves. Every time before the lead prophet who fulfilled the role of a chief judge and a chief commander of an army died, God commanded him to anoint a prophet in his place who will become the recipient of his calling after his death, as it is written in Hebrews 9, 16, 17. 
And so as we know, when Samuel, as, at the request of the sons of Israel, anointed King Saul for them, then Saul became the recipient of his calling and the form of the chief judge and the soul of and the role of the chief commander of the army, but was not the recipient of Samuel's calling as a prophet. The genuine recipient of Samuel, specifically his calling as a prophet, judge, and chief commander, whom he anointed as king over Israel, was David, who is our sacred person. And when Samuel died, then our new person in the form of David received the legitimate power to partake in the inheritance of Samuel. Therefore, the wilderness Paran, where David went close, went clothed into the calling of Samuel, and there he heard that Nabal is shearing his sheep. This wilderness was for David assuming the authority of Samuel by the means of one of the decisive wars of the Lord, which David led to provide God with the legitimate right to build him an enduring house. And so here we see how David needed to put on the power, the authority of Samuel. He needed to be a king, priest, and prophet. He needed to do something. Uh, he needed to, again, receive this from Samuel. When Samuel dies, he then passes this uh, power in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ to David. And this is all within us. Samuel is in us. Saul is within us. David is within us. And the time comes when our David will need to take on the responsibility of our Samuel. Samuel is the word, that wisdom, that mind of Christ that we receive from the prophet of God. Right now we read, this is where Samuel is showing himself in, in, in this service. We are reading, I'm not reading my own personal thoughts or, or revelations. We are abiding in the word of God, whom, which the messenger of God has given to us. And these need to uh, pretty much pass through the death of the Lord Jesus so that it can uh, be given to our spirit. And as soon as Samuel died, David went to the wilderness so he can receive this. If you remember, after the baptism of John, also Jesus, the Holy Spirit came upon him and he went then into the wilderness and in the wilderness he took he he went there so he could take this responsibility upon himself this authority that he needed the wilderness itself and the shearing of the sheep of nabal and carmel is a symbol of sanctification which allowed david to fight the battles of the lord to provide god with the legitimate right to build him in into an into an enduring house therefore when david after the death of samuel went down from the challenging places of engadi which is upon the mountains which borders the Dead Sea, that he then sent this, his young men to Nabal with words. 1 Samuel 25, 8-13 through 13, Ask your young men, and they will tell you, Therefore let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we came on a feast day. Please give whatever comes to your hand to your servants and to your son David. So when David's young men came, they spoke to Nabal according to all these words in the name of David and waited. Then Nabal answered, David's servants and said, Who is David and who is the son of Jesse? Again, he's saying, Who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants nowadays who break away each one from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shearers and give it to men whom, when I do not know where they are from? 
So David's young men turned on their heels and went back, and they came and told him all these words. Then David said to his men, Every man gird on his sword. So every man girded on his sword, and David also girded on his sword, and about 400 men went, went with David, and 200 stayed with supplies. The army of David was made up of 600 men, and he took 400, and 200 remained to kill uh, Nabal and his family. You need at least 400 people. Who is this Nabal that you need an entire army to destroy him? You may say, well, well, David, you killed lion and bear. You may say you couldn't go there yourself and just kill him. He takes 400 men to kill Nabal. It's, it's surprising. When we begin the process of sanctification linked to casting off the old man from ourselves, who in that moment is the legitimate husband for our soul within our body, and he being Nabal, being clothed into the outward appearance of godliness, gladly participates in this process of sanctification in the shearing of the sheep. And so the old man is happy in the process of sanctification and he, he uh, wants to participate. But as soon as David uh, appears, then it becomes a problem. But as soon as the messengers of the sacred person arrive in the form of David and say to him that he needs to bless David with whatever comes to his hand, Nabal, being our old man, will become furious and indignant and will refuse to bless David. Because for Nabal to bless David with whatever comes to his hand means acknowledging the authority of David over himself and pretty much writing for himself a verdict of death. If he acknowledges the authority of, of another person, that means he condemns himself. And that's why Nabal was very uh, harsh with them. For David, however, Nabal's refusal to bless him was legitimate grounds to destroy the entire house of Nabal. And then Abigail, the wife of Nabal, who did not know that the servants of David came, because when our spirit first hears, the first who receives the revelation is the old man who hears it and immediately wants to destroy any revelation we hear of Abigail didn't know. Our reasonable ability, our, our reasonable part of us and our will part of us, our willful part of us, if it knew. If we have Nabal, he is the one that will hear the word and rejects this word and sends it back, sends with nothing. And so again, for David, however, Nabal's refusal to bless him with was the legitimate grounds he needed to destroy the entire house of Nabal. And then Abigail, the wife of Nabal, who did not know that the servants of David came and that Nabal dealt harshly with them and let them go with nothing, that she hastily went to greet David with gifts where she counted herself dead to, to governing sin in the form of Nabal, proclaiming the not existent within her body promise in the form of the enduring house of David as existent. Let's look at the dialogue now between Abigail and David. We 
we've heard now the dialogue between Nabal and David's servant. He was harsh with them. And now let's look at, and now the reasonable aspect of our soul has realized that, that the Spirit had come uh, to establish the promise for our body. And it was rejected by the old man, but the reasonable aspect of our soul heard about this and has come now to the Spirit, to David. For Samuel 25:18, Then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five sheep already dressed, five seas of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins, and 200 cakes of figs, and loaded them on donkeys. And she said to her servants, Go on before me, see, I am coming after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. So it was as she rode on the donkey that she went down under cover of the hill, and there were David and his men coming down toward her, and she met them. Now David said to her, Surely in vain I have protected all that this fellow has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that belongs to him, and he has repaid me evil for good. May God do so, and more also, to the enemies of David, if I leave one male of all who belong to him by morning light. Now when Abigail saw David, she dismounted quickly from the donkey, fell on her face before David, and bowed down to the ground. So she fell at his feet and said, On me, my lord, on me let this iniquity be, and please let your maidservant speak in your ear, and hear the words of your maidservant. Here, the reasonable aspect of our soul begins speaking with our sacred person, with our spirit, with David. The joy of the Father speaks to the beloved one. Please let not the Lord regard this scoundrel Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, your maidservant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives, and as your soul lives. And so here's what happens when we have governing sin within ourselves. We don't see God's revelations when you hear these statements, I don't understand pastor. And so therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, since the Lord has held you back from coming to the to bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hand, now then let your enemies and those who seek harm from my Lord be as Nabal. And now this present which your maidservant has brought. And so, <clears throat> as you notice here, she keeps saying, let this be, uh, let the Lord, uh, uh, she keeps using this word. And she also says, let your enemies also be as Nabal, if you notice this here. She's using this word, let it be, that she carries responsibility for. And it's a greatly shown here how, uh, where she uh, applies this to in in her uh, 
and the words that she uses, the words of God that she uses toward David and also her desire on Nabal. And so this is stated as something that the Lord, the statements she made is how the Lord will then look at them. But one who maybe is an authority or above another, when they bless, it's different because it's in the form of a command uh, or a command. Uh, and the older one blesses the younger. And so, again, we need to bless with the name of the Lord Yahweh. We, we need to bless our pastor. May the words be given to him from the Lord. But the words you just stated, the Lord will look at them and dis- and determine that these words came from a pure heart and they are accurate and I will do the words, I will fulfill those words because of the state of this heart, of the heart they have and he will bless according to these words. But again, when it is spoken from a leader or head uh, to those that are un- un- subordinate to him, then it is uh, in a different format. It's, it's perceived in a different format. And it's just not, of course, when we're talking about being in anger or wrath and saying, let this happen to you and let this happen to you. Um, and when you do speak in wrath and anger and you do say things, we need to be very careful with what we say because it will actually also take place. And now this present which your maidservant has brought to you, to my Lord, let it be given to the young men who follow my Lord. And so as she said, let your enemies and those who seek harm from my Lord be as Nabal, and now this presence which your maidservant has brought to my Lord, let it be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your maidservant, for the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house, because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord, and evil is not found in you throughout your days. Yet a man has risen to pursue you and seek your life, but the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God. An amazing uh, phrase she she when the devil attempts to uh, r- or rises against my our children, the lives of our children, our own lives, you could say, uh, our life is bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord. My life is bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord, our God, and the devil will not be able to take our saints or steal our saints. A beautiful uh, statement that she made here, that the soul of a holy person And so proclaiming such things uh, will uh, is proclaiming the lo- that the devil will not allow my the, uh, the life of our of our people to be taken. And further she says, and the lives of your enemies he shall sling out as from the pocket of a sling, and it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you, and has appointed you ruler over Israel, that this will be no grief to you, nor offense of heart to my Lord, either that you have shed blood without cause, or that my Lord has avenged himself. But when the Lord has dealt well well with my Lord, then remember your maid servant. Then David said to Abigail, Blessed is the Lord God, 
of Israel who sent you this day to me, to meet me. And blessed is your advice, and blessed are you, because you have kept me this day from coming to bloodshed and from avenging myself with my own hand. And so he says, blessed are you, Abigail, blessed are you, the joy of the Lord. Blessed is your is your advice, and blessed are you, because you have kept me this day from coming to bloodshed and from avenging myself with my own hand. For indeed, as the Lord God of Israel lives, who has kept me back from hurting you, unless you had hurried and come to me to meet me, surely by morning light no males would have been left to Nabal. So David received from her hand what she had brought him and said to her, Go up in peace to your house. See, I have heeded your voice and respected your person. And so what does our soul need? Our reasonable aspect of our soul. What does it need to bring to David? First, 200 loaves of bread was the first thing that she had packed to bring him. The 200 loaves of bread symbolizes Abigail demonstrating the confirmation of the salvation she had already received, where she counts herself dead to Nabal and living for David, proclaiming the not existent within her body stronghold of life as existent. Symbolically, the format of bringing David the 200 loaves of bread is acknowledging the authority of David over herself. This was for Abigail a wonderful covering protecting her from his wrath. The saints for whom this covering is a burden will be eradicated from the midst of his nation. And so 200 symbolizes uh, acknowledging over yourself God's order and God's authority. And now let's look at uh, for whom this was a burden to have this covering. Second Samuel 14, 25, 26 now in all Israel, there was no one who was praised as much as Absalom for his good looks. From the sole of his feet to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. And when he cut the hair of his head, at the end of every year he cut it because it was heavy on him. And so, again, his hair, it was heavy on him. This covering was heavy on him, it was a burden to him. When he cut it, he weighed the hair of his head at 200 shekels according to the king's standard. And so this is acknowledging the Lord's authority and it was heavy to him. He didn't like it. It's symbolically showing here, Second Samuel 14, 25, 26, to confirm the acknowledgement of the authority of the new man over the reasonable and well abilities of our soul in the 200 loaves of bread and the hair that weighed 200 shekels, we will look at yet another example where there are 200 loaves of bread, but this event had a different circumstance where they also brought to David these breads, but it was a, as a show of acknowledgement of his authority in this situation. And this is a demonstration that shows that uh, in this situation that the authority, the covering on the head was not a burden and, and, and it was not heavy for the person that was, uh, who had received this covering. 
2 Samuel 16, 1, 2. When David was a little past the top of the mountain, there was Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, who met him with a couple of saddled donkeys, and on them 200 loaves of bread, 100 clusters of raisins, 100 summer fruits, and a skin of wine. And the king said to, Z- to Ziba, What do you mean? What do you mean to do with these? So Ziba said, The donkeys are for the king's household to ride on, the bread and summer fruit for the young men to eat, and the wine for those who are, are faint in the wilderness to drink. <clears throat> Second Samuel 16.1.2 We are studying Abigail, of course, who had acknowledged the authority of our sacred person over herself and brought these 200 loaves of bread. And so met. Mephibosheth is the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, who in the form of the reasonable aspect of our soul, voluntarily acknowledged the authority of the reasonable aspect of the new man, David, over himself. Two skins of of wine, which Abigail brought to David, symbolically is being filled with the Holy Spirit in the holiness and joy of the truth, which demonstrates itself in the leadership of the Holy Spirit within the boundaries of the truth imprinted upon our heart. In Scripture, the truth of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit opening up His truth are never presented independently of one another, but the contrary always identified the truthfulness of one the other. <clears throat> Ephesians five seventeen through 21 Therefore do not be unwise. Have Abigail in yourself, in other words, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. This is Abigail bringing these skins of wine, speaking to one another in psalm and hymn and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, <clears throat> giving thanks always for all things to God the, the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Ephesians five seventeen through 21. According to the given statement, drinking wine or other alcoholic beverages for any reason and in any amount disconnects us from wisdom, which from Abigail, which is a virtue of the mind of Christ within our spirit. And with this disconnection, we are then deprived of the opportunity as well as the ability to know the will of God. Do not be deceived, neither fornicators or nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, 10. Five sheep already dressed as a symbol of the five senses, disciplined by the bits of our gentle mouth, and obedient to the reasonable aspect of our soul, who is placed in dependence of the mind of Christ within our spirit. Psalm 32, 8, and 9. <clears throat> if a person doesn't have these five sheep that are already dressed, he does not rule over his five senses. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eyes. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding. And so this is talking about someone who was not able to prepare the five sheep already dressed. And so they then uh, turn into horses or mules, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. Psalm 32, 8, 9. A person who is not able to fight the battles of the Lord to discipline his feelings with the rod of his gentle or meek mouth will never provide God with the legitimate right he needs to build his body into an enduring house. Five seas of roasted grain brought by Abigail to David is a symbol of building yourself into an 
into an altar of the Lord, which identifies the legitimate status of prayer, giving the right to eat of the fruits of the land of Canaan. Exodus 38.1.2 He made the altar of burnt offering of acacia wood. Five cubits was its length and five cubits was its height, its width. It was square and its height was three cubits. He made its horn on its four corners. The horns were of one piece with it and he overlaid it with bronze. Exodus 38.1.2 Here we see the bronze altar that was in the outer yard. And that's where the offering was slaughtered and placed upon this altar and was fully burned before the face of God. It was five cubits wide, long and five cubits wide, and it was three cubits height. And so this is our spirit, soul, and body, and they need to be within the order of God, have the legitimate status. Another example, Second Chronicles 6, 12, 13. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all of the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands, for Solomon had made a bronze platform five cubits long and five cubits wide and three cubits high and had set it in the midst of the court. And he stood on it. And so he made a pedestal, also a place from which you pray, from which you speak, he knelt down on his knees before all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands toward heaven. And so he made a bronze platform. This is a platform, not the altar, but a platform, which was five cubits long, five cubits wide, and, f- and three cubits high. And so we need to, again, make before the altar this platform. And it was also in the midst of the court. And he stood upon it. You won't stand upon the altar, but you'll stand upon this platform. And it was proportionate, exactly proportionate to the altar that was built. And he stood on it and knelt down on his knees before all of the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands toward heaven. And when we pray, we know that the Lord sent his God, godly fire and the service of the temp- in the temple began. The Lord wants us to do this. In the beginning, he showed us how the altar is to be. And then we need to make this uh, prayer platform, which is proportionate to the altar uh, in in measurement, uh, length, width, and height. And the Lord then will give his fire. Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho, and they ate of the produce of the land of the on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. Then manna seized on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land, and the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. Joshua 5, 10 through 12. This is specifically talking about uh, the parched grain, because she brought the seeds of grain. Um, this is symbolically that when they began to eat, these uh, unleavened bread and parched grain, then the manna no longer is falling. We need to understand what the pastor wants to, our pastor wants to say here, that uh, the manna is to bring our uh, our situation, so to bring us into the situation of having this parched grain and 
to have this parched grain, it's necessary to first gather all of the weeds from the field, and after that, gather the wheat and begin to toss it uh, and use a winnowing fan to toss it into the air so that we clean it from the chaff, uh, our grains. And this will then allow us to have a pure grain which we can then work with. And so the reason uh, for removing this chaff is uh, because the chaff, the skin, on the, uh, preserves uh, moisture within the grain, and this is uh, will destroy the grain unless it is parched, unless it is dried out, so that the bones, in the symbol, uh, symbolically that he showed to uh, Ezekiel, I saw bones. They were dry bones in the field. Will these bones become alive? And uh, the Lord asked, and he said, "You know, Lord, if you can pr- begin to proclaim." Uh, the resurrection of Christ. The resurrection of Christ will not be proclaimed or received, the stronghold of life, until he sees these parched grains. Manna is transformed or becomes then these parched grains, and when the Lord sees this parched grain, the truth then, it becomes uh, the possession of our heart. So the area between our, our soul and our mind, uh, so you're tossing this grain, this winnowing with this winnowing fan, and it removes all all of the chaff, and as it's in our heart, and then moves into our mind. Here is where the parched grain happens, and we begin to proclaim the truth. Uh, and he stood before Jericho. And so again. Uh, the grains are supposed to have about 15% of moisture because if it has any more in it, then it will be, it will begin to rot, it will begin to destroy. And now 100 clusters of raisins is a symbol of the fruits of righteousness demonstrated in the measure of fullness of growth in Christ, which is in accordance with an, the example of perfection that is inherent to God. Matthew 13:23. But he who who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it. And so again, we see here Abigail who understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some 100, some 60, and some 30. And so this is the fruit of righteousness that we produce. The character of Christ. And the final, and we will pray, she also brought 200 fig cakes to David for his uh, use, for his, dis- uh, to his, for his disposal. Uh, she brought these uh, f- 200 fi- uh, fig cakes. This is the triumphant testimony of the grace of God that now rules within the body of man by the means of the fruit of righteousness. 1 Kings 10, 6, 7, or 6, 10, 16, 17. And King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold, 600 shekels of gold went to into each shield. He also made 300 shields of hammered gold. Three minas of gold went into each shield, and the king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. And so how can God make the house of David enduring? There's these 200 shields. 
First Chronicles 12.32 of the sons of Issachar who had, under, who had understanding of the times. Again, we see here Abigail, understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Their chiefs were 200 and all their brethren were at their command. <clears throat> Why did they come uh, at that time? First Chronicles 12.32 <clears throat> they had gathered to place uh, David upon the throne to, to make him king, to to, to make him officially as king or to confirm him as, co confirm him as king of Israel. And so 200 fig cakes, uh, we see here in these 200 large shields, and also 200 uh, sons of Issachar to uh, make David king. And so right now, we will be praying, and we. I call every holy person who wants to resist sin, lust, um, and also people maybe that would want to condemn their Nabal, their old man. I think all every person is in need of this. We know that as while the Nabal is is still our husband, he first hear hears the truth uh, before anyone else, and he needs to be put to death so that Abigail. That joy of the father would become the wife of David, beloved, the one who's beloved by the father. Right now, we will wait for you here at the altar. May God bless you. I will be praying your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that God is on your side. He's not against you. He has loved you with an eternal love. He has given you the work of his, of his redemption. He has stood between us and our enemies to protect us and to lift us up to his level. Close your eyes. This is your secret room. Lift your hands to God. This is a sign that your hands are without wrath or doubt pray together with me heavenly father in the name of jesus christ i come to you and upon this holy place the church of your people i open my heart so that you can see my pain my suffering my wounds that are inflicted by sin and lust which i hate and that i reject I come to you with my illness, with my fear, with a pampered dignity, with a dishonor. I ask you, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me, heal my wounds, restore me, protect me 
with the blood of your Son, and right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with his great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May upon you the blessing of the ancient mountains and everlasting hills be on you. May the old man be thrusted out with noise into hell from your body and the stronghold of life be erected in your body. May this be upon you and your children in the name of Jesus Christ and the nation shall say amen. And as you can see, the Holy Spirit continues to comfort us, instruct us with His Word. And we, again, had the opportunity to uh, see many of these examples that we are given. And you, of course, can dissect this further. You can uh, continue to chew this further, meditate upon it further, uh, so that you can understand it better. Let us finish with our manifestation now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to god our savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever amen